it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. I'm going to admit something to you right up front on this program. And I, I spoke to super producer Mike about this, and it, it it's on me. I really haven't been spending enough time on the human tragedy that is the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And I'm going to tell you why. You listen to this program, you know that I'm very passionate. I've even been accused of borderline, you know, yelling, outright yelling. So that would assume that I'm displaying emotion. But it's really not. Passion is different. And maybe, you know, one could feed the other. That's certainly true. If you are passionate about an issue, it'll make you emotional. But I tend to not spend, if you notice, a lot of time letting my emotions go. I say this program is based in rational thought, perfectly executed political analysis. Even though I have been accused of being nothing more than a former rock DJ who got lucky in this talk radio world, I spend a lot of my time, I've been up since 5 a.m. reading oil production charts, reminding myself of cash for clunkers because Pete Buttigieg says, well, we just have to, you know, everyone go out and buy an electric car. Oh, it's that simple. What do we do with the cars that we have? You buying them all? You tried that one already. It was a total, total, cash for clunkers was a total disaster. But it made sense in Washington, D.C. It made sense in circles filled up with people like Pete Buttigieg. But that, hold on. I have not spent a lot of time. And maybe that let some of you down. Talking about the human tragedy. Because the emotion might lead you, and I'm seeing this in in some friends and colleagues, when you see this human tragedy, your immediate reaction, you know, for for all the talk that America is imperialistic, it is is a, a conquering nation, we tend to look at our military as an agent of freedom. We have a separation between law enforcement and our military. And we we separate the two. We don't turn the military in on the civilian population. And what's the distinguishing quality between military and civilian or civilian law enforcement or, or law enforcement? Even if you have a program, which we've had several programs, where law enforcement is given used military equipment, body armor, M4s, or ARs, what are, you know, the civilian versus the military version, armored personnel carriers, right? We see these SWAT teams with the car from Die Hard. And some people say, well, we're militarizing the police. Well, having, having the tools of war and having a mission of war are two different things. Law enforcement's first and foremost objective is to make an arrest. It is not to kill. And what giving law enforcement in very dangerous situations 
an overwhelming amount of potential force is to make the make the person, make the suspect, make the gang, whatever it is, realize that if it does engage with law enforcement, it's going to be outmanned, it's going to be outgunned, that law enforcement has the tools to make that arrest. Now, could it go horribly wrong with standoffs? It has in the past. We've also seen times when law enforcement's completely outgunned, like the North Hollywood Bank shootout. You know, your average sheriff's deputy operating on the border, no matter how much training you give that person, even if they have a carbine in their patrol car, is going to be wildly outmatched by cartel members carrying AK-47s. But law enforcement's primary mission is to do just that, enforce the law. When the law is being broken... Their primary goal is to make the arrest. That is to stop the person who was accused of committing the crime. But a key component of law enforcement is force. The military's job is much different. The military's job is to decimate an enemy military by any means necessary. With doing its best to limit casualties among the civilian population. Now, is it true, is it true that when our military has had to occupy another land, it finds itself operating like law enforcement? In a way, it does. And that's not what the military was designed for. When we talk about being the world police, the military was not designed to be anyone's police now i know we have military police and they're really their real jurisdiction is the military itself but you could talk to any veteran from iraq that after the fall of saddam hussein and and the baathist government the military the military was there having to secure the streets provide power water food infrastructure That's not what the military was designed for. Now, you could say, well, maybe we need to redesign the military for the next century. Okay, but but as it stands, uniformed, large-scale military movements are not designed to patrol street corners. They're designed to combat enemies and return home. Now, when a war occurs amongst the civilian population, and this is what separates the United States from many other nations— is out of, just dare I say, goodness of our hearts and a feeling among our military. We can't just leave these people behind their countries in shambles. Don't get me wrong. Our, our military, the, the heart, I'll borrow from G.K. Chesterton, a warrior, I'm borrowing, I'm paraphrasing, especially an American warrior, an American warrior, doesn't fight because he hates or she hates what's in front of her, but loves what's behind them. That's our nation. But that doesn't take away from the fact that our military, even though we have a command structure, the expectation that everybody will follow orders, that doesn't remove the heart of the military member. Right now, you have veterans who are, are, are going over to Ukraine right now because their hearts are being broken by what they see. And you talk to anyone, 
You know, this is one aspect of PTSD that we don't talk about in this country. You can have someone that deployed overseas and they were never physically injured. And they may not have even had an experience where they saw their best buddy get a leg blown off or killed. But when they see how other people live, especially children, it's the same thing with police officers who work in very violent, violent urban areas where there are high rates of child abuse and domestic abuse. Try to imagine spending 20 years of your life seeing the way these children and the way some of these women live their lives. It's horrific. And I extend that to the majority. We look at what's happening right now and we see the images of people fleeing cities and trying to get on trains. And we see the images of crying children. And we, you look, you could turn your TV remote off, right? I mean, that's, that's the privilege. You want to talk about what privilege is? That's the privilege of being an American. It's that it's happening somewhere else. It's not happening to white people. It's not happening to black people. It's not happening to Asian people in that sense. Oh, well, you know, you care more about this because they're, they're white. No, that's, that's not it at all. As Americans, we look at this type of tragedy and it breaks our hearts and we immediately think, you know what? We've got the biggest military on planet Earth. We've got some of the toughest men and women on planet Earth. Our immediate thought is, let's kick some ass. Let's kick some Ruski ass right the hell back to Moscow. And you know what? Bomb the crap out of them too. It's such, it, it is, it is, it's natural. It's natural to feel that way. It's natural. But you know what? There's more to, than that feeling. And I myself have kept that feeling bottled up on this program. I could easily get on this program right now and I would find support. I would find support if I said, let's bomb the hell out of the Russians. There would be people who support that. There would, it is obvious that Biden, NATO, and the UN, everything is on Putin's terms right now. He has basically submitted a demand for a new constitution in Ukraine saying that they will be forever forbidden from joining the EU and forever forbidden joining NATO. Now, it might be one thing if we say it's not a good idea to expand NATO any further or the Europeans say, well, maybe it's not a good idea to expand the EU any further, but we should all be damned if we're going to let Putin demand this. Who the hell does he think he is? But you see, where we are right now was so easily avoidable. And where we're letting our minds go to is being limited to that feeling of seeing children on television screaming and crying as they're being separated from their fathers as their mothers have to make that decision to get out of the country. 
Say, well, but Andrew, what about Honduras? What about El Salvador? First of all, they're not being invaded. This is not the failure of the Ukrainian government. Yes, the Ukrainian government has a serious damn corruption problem. Let's not kid ourselves. Let's not pretend that their government is perfect. No government is. But what is happening right now is not a direct result of the Ukrainian government failing at some measure. The Ukrainian government over 25 years ago, and this again, just so you know, the START treaties were actually ratified in the Senate. The START treaties were ratified in the Senate. Nuclear reduction programs were ratified in the Senate. You know what wasn't ratified in the Senate? The Misandra Agreement and the Budapest Memorandum, Bill Clinton. There was a promissory note given to the Ukraines that if they gave up their nuclear weapons to the Russians, I might add, that there was a sort of a, I don't know if you can call it eminent domain, but the old Ukrainian SSR housed hundreds of Russian nuclear weapons, Soviet-era nuclear weapons. When they became independent, they retained those nuclear weapons. Russia said, we don't want Ukraine having nuclear weapons on our border. Just so you know, those Ukrainian weapons were actually pointed at us. They were actually pointed at the United States because that's how the Soviet Union was, the Ukraine SSR. And Bill Clinton attempted to negotiate a settlement. The Russians would buy at commercial value the enriched uranium and agree to never invade Ukraine. That they would agree and accept Ukraine as a free and independent nation and they would not threaten it. But you know what didn't happen? That was never a treaty. It didn't go into force. There are times when presidents make agreements, in-kind agreements, and then have to take that agreement back to, to the United States Senate. And if the Senate ratifies that agreement, and if there is a parliamentary mechanism in another nation, meaning if it's Reagan and Gorbachev, he's got to go to the Senate, Gorbachev has got to go to the federal parliament. That both countries, top down, agree to the terms of this treaty, then it goes into force. Does anybody want to stop me here and tell me that I'm just some dumb right-wing state college grad rock DJ? Because I'd love to hear it. See, I'm even doing it right now. I've already veered off the emotional part. I've already veered off the emotional part into the analytical part. But if you think because you've not heard enough from me. You're out of your mind. I go home every night. I go home every night and I thank God from the bottom of my heart that my children are being raised in the United States. And it might sound like radio horse pucky, but I let them know it too. I let them know, too. I'll give you an example. My oldest is 12. 
And she was asking me, she was saying, well, you know, so-and-so is Irish and -and so-and-so is Italian. And she's like, what are we? And I'm like, we're American. She's like, but she's like, but she's like, isn't, isn't, isn't Papa from Italy? I'm like, yes, your mother's grandfather's from Italy. But, you know, your, your, your great-grandmother's, great-grandmother's family's from, from Scotland and Ireland. I'm like, I'm like, we're a mashup. I'm like, daddy's adopted. I'm like, all I have is an American. I'm just an American-American. I got nothing else. I don't know anything else. There was never any talk in my family of the old country. I mean, a little bit. I told you my grandparents on my father's side are from Ukraine. Well, it was Russia when I was a kid. But we didn't really talk about that a whole lot. You know, I had friends who had, you know, you know, culturally Italian families and Irish families. But as an adopted kid, I've always seen myself as an American-American. And you know what? I tell my daughter, that's okay. You don't have to be anything else. And you know why? And I tell my daughter this all the time, and I tell my kids this all the time. All of those people that are telling you that their families are Italian or Irish or Chinese or Korean or whatever, notice how they all wanted to be here in this country. This is where they wanted to be. And you should be proud to be an American. And you should thank God you're an American. And what is happening over there to an American is grotesque. And it was entirely, entirely avoidable. But now here we are. We have a man who is not competent. We have a commander-in-chief who is not competent. And we have a NATO alliance that is so weak that it couldn't even prevent this. If NATO and the UN were these strong global institutions that carried overwhelming force to promote peace and prosperity, Putin never would have dreamed of going into Ukraine. But he saw weakness, and he sees it in Biden. And you see it in Biden. And those screaming children, and those crying mothers, and those fathers that are facing a war machine, which, by the way, they are... They are kicking the hell. They are fighting tooth and nail for that country. They are fighting like hell. And you know what? A lot of those young soldiers on both sides don't remember the old Soviet Union. These these people that they've sent across the border from Russia, they don't remember the old Soviet Union. You know, I actually saw a theory, and this is pretty tragic, and something, again, as Americans, we'd be horrified to hear that what Putin is actually doing is sending in the least educated, least trained soldiers to essentially be bullet catchers. Assuming that he could send in his bottom-of-the-barrel troops, save his Spetsnaz, his best pilots, his best tank divisions for whatever, and is literally sending in some of these young men to simply catch a bullet thinking that maybe they can run down Ukrainian supply. That's something that we would never accept. But Putin may be doing that. 
which makes him a monster. His own people are starting to see him as a monster now. But if I let emotion get the best of me, and I get on the air, and I say, let's bomb the hell out of them, then what? Joe Biden couldn't even handle the Afghan withdrawal. Joe Biden couldn't even prioritize getting $80 billion worth of equipment out of the way, bringing home the civilians. We have American citizens still trapped there. It's going to go on a year. Still trapped there. Lost 13 service members on the way out the door and left the country in complete shambles. And now the Taliban that sat and waited us out is back in power. And they've got $80 billion of our equipment. They could use it to repress their own people. They could sell it for reverse engineering. They got $80 billion of our equipment. So before I get behind this microphone and say, let's bomb the hell out of them. We got to figure two major factors here. One, Joe Biden. Two, Kamala Harris. Okay, three, Mark Milley. Joe Biden is a disaster. He's a disaster domestically. He's a disaster internationally. Two years ago, there was no Russian aggression, and we weren't talking about $6 a gallon gas. Two years ago, we were waiting for the Keystone XL pipeline to come online. Donald Trump was fighting these bureaucrats at the EPA and Democrats in Congress. And these judges... You know, Joe Biden said earlier, we're going to play the clip in a little bit. One of the dumbest things I've heard in a long time, that he's produced more oil or more oil has been produced under his first year than Donald Trump's first year. Do we not know how this works? Donald Trump couldn't come into the office and there was like a brown button for the color of oil sitting there and he just pushed it and all of a sudden oil appeared. It took time to undo the damage of the Obama years, the war on coal and fracking and the restriction of land leases. See, again, I'm getting away from the emotion part because I have to. Because if I let loose of my emotion, I'm going to give you a message that may not be clear. Bombing the hell out of the Russians. Man, it would feel good, right? Who wouldn't want to pour themselves a tall glass of bourbon and watch Red Dawn? Who doesn't love Red Dawn? All of those movies from the 80s. Iron Eagle, Death Before Dishonor, right? Invasion USA. Oh, my God. Invasion USA with Chuck Norris. Remember the double Uzis? But look who would be in charge. Tony Blinken? Tony Blinken, the red line in Syria guy. Do you, you want these people running a war against Russia with a, oh, by the way, with a group of allies that are never going to get off the Russian oil. Joe Biden is to blame for the oil prices. But Russia contributes about 7% of exports to the United States or imports into the United States. The rest is coming from Canada. That Keystone XL pipeline, that Keystone XL pipeline, if it was a pro, if it was operational, if it hadn't been bogged down in regulations before Trump, 
would have allowed our Canadian NATO neighbors to increase production, and we could have been off the Russian oil long before this. These are the people that are telling you that they are going to manage your decline. That they are going, they're going with green energy Marxism, no matter how bad it gets. Let me let you on on a little secret. You want to see what the emotion is going to do here? The Democrats will not back off this destruction of our energy sector, even if they thought they could save those screaming Ukrainian kids. And no, the answer is not bringing a million Ukrainians to the United States. We've got $30 trillion in debt. We've got 600,000 homeless Americans. 35% of them are veterans. Where are we going to put them? This is the mess these international elites have made. The mess. So you want my emotion? I'll give you my emotion. Sometimes it's ugly. This is a total mess. And they don't have any answers. And this is going to get worse. And you know what would be worse? More American caskets coming home. Even if there was no nuclear war. More American caskets coming home. I admire the hell out of these people who are fighting for their country. And what we can give, we should give. But how does American caskets coming home make the situation better? You really trust Joe Biden to run a war with Russia? Again, he, he, he couldn't even get out of a country with a bunch of illiterate goat herders waiting in the wings. One thing to wrap this, I went really long here. I don't go this long. I usually stick to my clock, but it's Sirius XM. We don't have a network to worry about. Twenty years of war. And Afghanistan is right back to where it is. Nation building is not our thing. Nation building is not our thing. We can't occupy Ukraine and turn it into something it's not. These people are fighting like hell and God bless them. But Joe Biden couldn't even handle a bunch of illiterate goat herders. And now they're running a country with our weapons. So pardon me. If I restrain my emotions because it breaks my heart to see those kids crying, to know those, those wives, they may, they, may, they may never be reunited again. They're not going to get news from the front lines. They're not going to know if their husbands are killed. Those screaming children have no idea what the hell a Russian is and who the hell Vladimir Putin is. The Ukrainians were not threatening Russia. And it is tragic what is happening. But adding American dead to it, is it going to make it any better? Not, while on, not on Biden's watch. We are where we are because every one of these overeducated, useless dinner party elites in Washington, D.C. who think they're smarter than everyone else, these people have failed. And you should never, ever trust them again. And if we get Donald Trump back as president, or if he decides not to run in Ron DeSantis, Republicans need to clear house. 
I mean it. Clear house. At the State Department, at the EPA, at the DOE. And you know what? In some corners of the damn Pentagon. You can join me live on the Will Count Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 east, 9 to noon west, on Sirius XM Patriot, channel 125. <laughs>